You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. The Battle of Five Armies is well underway. Azog commands the proceedings from his position atop Ravenhill, unaware that Thorin Oakenshield has spied him across the battlefield and moves to finish him once and for all. But as the Dwarf King battles his way uphill to face his nemesis, other forces, both good and ill, converge upon their location. Little does Thorin Oakenshield know that he is marching into a trap. The arrival of Bolg at the battle is imminent, and he leads a second vast army of orcs from Mount Gundabad. Yet not all is lost. Legolas Greenleaf and Tauriel are swiftly closing in, and in the far distance the beating of vast wings hails the arrival of another unexpected host. Welcome to the Green Dragon, your weekly podcast about the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit strategy battle game by Games Workshop. I'm Jeremy and with me is Charles. How's it going? And we're here talking about the Assault on Ravenhill scenario from the Battle of Five Armies supplement that came in the White Dwarf magazine. Now I know I've been promising this one for a long time, but I'm finally going to deliver. I've played through it and it's exciting. So Charles, can you just go through the participants for the Assault on Ravenhill? On the good side, we have a very large number of heroes. We've got Thorin Oakenshield, King Under the Mountain, Philly the Dwarf, Champion of Erebor, Gilly the Dwarf, Champion of Erebor, Dwalin the Dwarf, Champion of Erebor. Lots of champions of Erebor there. Bilbo Baggins, Master Burglar, Radagast the Brown, Riding Great Eagle, Tauriel, Mirkwood Exile, Legolas Greenleaf, Prince of Mirkwood, Bayon, Gwahir, and Two Great Eagles. I'm really disappointed that Bayon and Gwahir didn't have a really long title as well. They sort of stand out. Yeah, they just decided to go all share and first name only. Yeah, probably because they were a list before this book and decided that every model must have a five-word title. Yeah, that's probably true. On the evil side, anyway, we've got Azog, Lieutenant of Sauron, Bolg, Castellan of Mount Gundabad, three Gundabad Orc captains, and 36 Gundabad Orc warriors. Now, none of these participants says what equipment they've got. We decided, after some consultation with our forums, that no model gets their mount, so no white wag, no wag for Bolg, no horse for Legolas. And the Gundabads, we just got whatever assorted weapons we've got, so shields for the captains mostly, and then a mixture of spears and shields for the others. Yeah. So the layout is on a four foot by four foot board. We have rocky outcrops throughout, and we've got a hill down one side essentially, but it's a pretty plain open area. There's a few bottlenecks created because of the way we played the rocky outcrops. We played them as um, impassable mostly. We've made sure that the terrain actually takes place and affects the battlefield as much as we can. So there's quite a bit of rocks there. The board itself looks a bit plain. I think at some point I want to actually make it Raven Hill and make it some obvious and have an ice lake and things. A big tall like ramp to fight up or something like yeah, that? Yeah, big command tower and things because at the moment it's pretty pretty plain and the map itself is a little bit uninspiring. Like the, uh, With the signal flags like in the movie, I thought they were really cool. Yes, we want to keep the signal flags in. Okay, starting positions. It's actually starting with the evil player deploying first. They deploy Azog and one Gundabad Orc Captain and 18 Orc Warriors anywhere in their deployment area, which is actually 12 inches on from the northern edge. The good player then places Thorin Oakenshield, Philly, Killy, Dwalin and Bilbo Baggins anywhere in his deployment zone, which is 12 inches from the opposite edge. 
all the other models listed in the participants arrive later in the game. Yep, so we get Thorin's company deployed, ready to go and assault and take out Azog, and Azog and his bodyguard up in the north side of the board. The objectives are next. Now, the objectives are pretty simple in this. The good side wants to kill Bolg and Azog. The evil side wants to prevent that and kill, what is it, three quarters of the good heroes or good models? Yeah, three quarters. They need to be reduced to 25% of its starting number. Yeah, so at the end of the turn, we check the victory conditions and see if they've been met. It's a very simple. It's, a, it's an assault. Special rules, Charles. So all of the special rules are, revolve around how the characters arrive. Uh, the first one is called the arrival of Bolg, and it says basically at the end phase of turn three, the evil player places Bolg, two Gundabad Orc captains, and 18 Gundabad Orc warriors on the board, each in base contact with the northern table edge. Yep, and then the champions of Mirkwood in the end phase of turn four, so basically after the whole turn's happening, you deploy them, you deploy Tariel and Legless. Then we've got the Eagles are coming. Uh, in the end phase of turn eight, the good player places Radagast the Brown, Bayon, Guahia, and two Great Eagles on the board in base contact with the Western Edge. And we've been placing Bayon in man form because it, that's how we deploy him in the rules, and then he has to turn into a bear somewhere through. So we've imagined he's just jumped off the Eagle and he's in the process of turning into the bear. And the last one is the Orc Legions of Gundabad. So at the end of each of the move phases, the evil player must roll a dice for every Gundabad Orc warrior that has been slain earlier in the battlefield. On a six, they come back again. And it says they come on the northern table edge, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And the whole uh, remembering to do it part as well might get a mention. Yeah, yeah actually remembering that rule is, is confounded. It's such a difficult rule to remember. And there's a designer's note here, and the designer's note says... Whatever happens will decide the fate of Middle-earth for years to come and possibly even lead to Sauron's ultimate victory over the Free Peoples. Both players are using some of the most powerful heroes available to each side. Enjoy it and get stuck into the enemy. So it basically encourages you to run headlong at your opponent. The designer's note certainly does, but the scenario doesn't necessarily. No, with the fact that there's no pressure on the good side from behind them, they have absolutely no reason to go forward. Yep. So we'll go through, throughout this podcast, probably some slight changes throughout how we're going to improve it or change the scenario to more our liking. But overall, I think we quite enjoyed it. It takes about two hours to play through this to do it effectively. So it's a good lengthy scenario. I've played through this three times. Charles has played through it twice. So I'm going to talk about my first playthrough and then we'll get Charles to talk about probably the other two and I'll chime in there. The first one I played through with Travis, I was playing the good side, he was playing the evil side. We played through rules as written, and we got a little bit nervous in that we thought that the break test for the evil could be a problem. So we thought it would be really disappointing to have Azog and Bolg just run away, fail a break test. So the 22 Gundabad Orcs or evil models die, and they have to start taking break tests. We soon found that this wasn't really an issue, because by the time that many models had died, the heroes were well and truly stuck in, and some of the good heroes had died, so that wasn't a problem. We followed the designer note advice. We got stuck in. So we both pushed forward and attacked on the first game. Killy, Philly, and Bilbo all died, got trapped by Gundabads. But then the evil, the good side managed to come back. Once the Eagles and Bayorn and that had came along, they took out both the heroes. They did a pretty good job of it. It could have been really bad for the good side. Azog, at one of the turns, I think he failed to wound at all on a trapped Thorin or one of the other models. So didn't roll anything higher than a two. 
and really made a mess of it. So he could have could have really made a bad day for the evil side, but didn't. But it was a fun scenario. The the heroes were doing their job. They were fighting. We were using lots of might, lots of orcs, and it was was good fun. We found out very early on that the reinforcements did nothing at that point. So with the six to get them on, because they all came from the northern board edge, they didn't even get into the fight again. So they were just decorations, and that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, because of the fact that I imagine they have a long way to go because of the fact that uh, there's no reason for the good side to come forward, really. No, we we did go forward in that one, but we didn't play the northern side. We played around the middle of the board. By the time the reinforcements came on, it took them four turns to get anywhere near the action, and they really didn't influence the game at all. Then the second playthrough, Charles. So the second playthrough we've played this afternoon, and we ignored the designer's note this time around, and I was playing the good side and Jeremy was playing the evil. So I decided to be ultra-conservative and avoid combat as much as I can, and I initially moved backwards and towards the edge where the eagles would come on. That turned out to be a really good move for me because I basically had my whole force grouped together by turn 8 and hadn't been in combat. Yeah, I think I finally reached combat turn 8, and then immediately you place down the eagles within charge distance of me getting in combat. The, the whole reinforcement thing played to your hands. You were unscathed by the time we reached turn 8 where the the hit... The Eagles and Bayon come in to rescue the day. Yeah, I hadn't spent any of my resources or anything like that. And I still had Legolas and Tariel to rock up later on in the game as a backup. We still had a good game, though. It was still quite enjoyable. There was lots of heroes there. There was intense moments. I think I managed to wound about four or five of the heroes, but no, didn't kill any. Yeah, none, none actually died. And after a certain point, I felt like that there was not any real pressure on me because I just had so many monsters and heroes around. Well, yeah, we got one wave, so Azog's army came on first and you dealt with Azog, and once once Azog died, I could see the pressure relief on your face because you knew that all you had to do was take on Bolg and you had every monster at your disposal and it was all to your favour. But we still played it out and something could have gone wrong, but it just wasn't quite there. It should also be noted that we changed the reinforcements rule for this scenario as well because of the fact that Jeremy thought that having them come on the north board edge was very, very poor. So we um, actually let them come on from any edge, which was a little bit more relevant, but I don't think it was that overly relevant, because you still don't get a large enough number for me to fight them as a whole force. I can still pick them off piecemeal with eagles, pretty much. I thought that the, the reinforcements actually helped me a little bit, because I was able to put a couple of key spear supports in, I was able to have a guy some reserves for next turn, that was definitely a positive change for that one. Yeah, it did catch me a little bit off guard that they weren't deployed on the board edge like I thought they were, that they could move on. But I guess that is correct with the reinforcements rules. Yeah, the reinforcements, the orc reinforcements that have already been slain come on as reinforcements. The deployment is basically an end phase deployment. So after everything happens, they get placed. Which means that the orcs, Bolg's orcs, take up a lot of the board. You can't come out of one point. You've got to spread them out quite thin. And then they're not grouped up. So if... They're a little bit vulnerable to be attacked piecemeal by eagles as well. Like, you can avoid any heroes they have if you can. Yep. So we enjoyed that one, but we re-racked and thought we'll make some more changes. Now, the main changes we made this time was that we wanted the dwarves to be under pressure from the start. We wanted them to have a reason to be moving towards Azog's force. So the easiest way to do that was to make Bolg's force come on the south table edge. So basically behind the dwarves, sandwiching them between the two armies. 
and that certainly played to the aesthetic of the scenario a lot more. Like, it made you look like you had to assault me, which was, I thought was really good. Yeah, it really looked the part. We commented all throughout it that this looks right, this looks right. This is what an assault should be. Yeah, I had to come forward as a dwarf, so I was playing the dwarves this time. I had to attack with them, and I was actually trying to break through Azog's line rather than dodge away from it. And that felt really good with the heroes and Thorin's heroic combats. You could actually make a, a move there. Yeah, I made the comment that I was the one that had to move back now playing the evil side, and it felt different, and... You said, well, that's how an assault works, isn't it? The defender moves back. Yeah, it did. And you went into a defensive position and the dwarves just came out, attack, attack, attack. They killed Azog really early. They Yeah, I was a, I was a bit reckless with Azog. And then that led me to play really conservatively with Bolg, which I think might have been a bit of a, a mistake. I don't know. Yeah, you left an opening with Azog where he came up. Basically, the, the orcs wrapped around me when I was coming up the middle. And Azog was... Became to head towards the south, and the rest of the orcs, or most of the orcs, went towards the north. And then I turned around and basically sent all the dwarves back to the south to take on Azog. And I think I managed to get two or three or four into combat with him at one point after some a bunch of heroics. And then with Bilbo and a combination of dwarves into combat with Azog, I didn't really have that much of a problem taking him out. Yeah, the ring on Bilbo is absolutely nasty when you team him up with a hero that can actually kill things with more than one attack. Yeah, we made some comments that Thorin and Bilbo were the tag team the whole time. It was Thorin and Bilbo heroic combats all day long. Then, because we were playing close to the east side, Taran and Legolas came on and actually got in the fight pretty soon. So I chose to play over that side because I am I really get to call that as the good player. And then I had the, the two elves. They did a pretty good job, but both of them had some really scary moments. Yeah, there was one turn, I think, with Legolas where you just let me win a fight with four attacks on him, I'm pretty sure. I rolled three wounds or something like that out of him being trapped. Yeah, there was one where I think he actually might have been a higher fight there. I didn't challenge the heroic strike. Yeah, that's right. I struck up with my captain and managed to roll so that he was a fight eight. And I had a captain and a spearman fighting him, and I managed to wound him three times, and you had to burn through all your fate just to keep him alive. Yeah, I took an educated guess that that wouldn't kill him. I was absolutely correct, but it was very, very close because I used up all my fate and I took one wound as well. So he had one wound left. So Legolas was dancing around for most of the game on just the one wound, no fate. He was still perfectly capable of killing things because he had all his might. He just probably didn't want to be in unfavorable situations. Yeah, at that point, it was almost tempting to drag him back, but I couldn't. I was committing him to combat. And I still think he's probably one of the best combat characters in the, the game. So... Well, in that scenario anyway. So I don't think I wanted to go these auto-hit shooting. It's fun to peg a wound off Azog or Bolg every once in a while, but he is amazing in combat. And at that situation, you were almost entirely encircled anyway, so you couldn't really afford to just be standing there shooting. No, I couldn't really get out of the circle either. I'd made a wall, and even Bilbo was taking on Orc after Orc, always targeting the Orcs without the shields, of course. And yeah. he managed to kill a few. I think, though, Tauriel actually was a bit of a house in that, that one for you. She probably went through five or six orcs by herself. She did a really good job in that scenario. I've been playing Tario quite a lot lately in tournaments and scenarios, and she actually performed better than I expected in this one. She usually has trouble wounding, but the five plus didn't seem too bad for her. She took on a lot of captains, but managed to survive them, and I spent a lot of time... I went really concerned with my might and thought, okay, I'll fight occasionally with a lower fight value and just use my fate to survive the turn, and then... Once the orc captains are out of might, then I'll go and attack them. 
and it quite, worked quite well for me. I was trying to play to the same strategy in that you would use your might because you have more of it, but you just weren't using your might and it wasn't working for me. And because I have less than half the might that you do, it's never going to be favorable for me if you play the same way that I am. Yeah, that's very true. You managed to get Thorin, though. The two orc captains without a might trapped him and then... I rolled, rolled 12 dice, I think it was, and I managed to get four sixes out of that. And um, he had one wound on him already from a random orc that he fought. And uh, I was like, oh, you're actually dead if you fail two of these fate rolls. Yeah, so Thorin's line, Thorin passed away there. But Killian and Philly survived both, I think, with one wound left and no might. They were Yeah, pretty... they were up against it in the last turn or so. I was hoping to actually kill Keely and then kill Tariel because... Uh, she goes down in defense and doesn't actually get any better at killing Gundabad orcs. Yeah, the, the, he tried that quite a lot. It was always, hopefully I can kill Killy and then wound Ariel. It didn't quite work that way. Bolg managed to hang on for a long time, though. I was impressed with his efforts. Yeah, I was pretty conservative with him and tried to keep the eagles away from him because I figured they were the best things at killing him. But once you had him transfixed and knocked down from orcs being thrown at him, it's pretty much his end. Yeah, and the Eagles took a long time to get across because they got on the board, deployed end of turn eight, and I think it was probably three turns before they even reached the combat. So that was would have been turn 11 or so before they got in. I did this one move that I was very proud of. Bayorn, Charles was trying to bait him away with orcs in bad spots. So I managed to call a heroic combat with Bilbo and Guahi together, which flung Guahi into this orc that was going to bait Bayorn away. And then Guahi picked up that orc, and threw him right in front of Bayorn, ready so Bayorn could charge. Now, of course, the orc died on the throw. So, <laughs> after all that, it was a bit of a worry. But then there was another eagle on the other flank who did the same thing, and it worked. The, yeah, or- the, the, orc, the orc survived. survived. Yep. That was a pretty glorious day to be Bayorn right there. Yeah, so Bayorn went and, and took out that orc, and then managed to follow up and had a really go at one of the orc captains, but didn't get there. I was really hoping he was going to get into Bolg, but... Like in the book way, but Legolas managed to do it. I was actually looking at him when he came on and thinking that he was not going to make combat, so I was quite impressed that he managed to get there because he's the slowest of all your models that come on as a reinforcement and he basically has to march in bear form just to keep up with the eagles. Yeah, I did a... used one of the might for a march and then once he got into combat, did a barge, I think. But he got into combat at the end. But I was reasonably safe at that point. Like, I'd only lost Thor, and, and my heroes were starting to even up the odds and starting to come into combats where it was just one-on-one. And once you get one-on-one with dwarves, you don't take wounds very often. Yeah, you did have to burn through a lot of your resources to get there, but at the same time, I had none left and just couldn't win fights because you had re-rolls on some of your heroes. I don't have re-rolls. We haven't talked at all about Radagast on Eagle in this scenario, Charles. What do you think about that one? that model? He's absolutely insane. I am a huge fan of him. I don't even care if he doesn't have free will. He is excellent. You don't need the free will in this scenario. You've got enough. The six is enough to last the, say, three turns where he's going to influence the game because that's all he needs. He's probably going to get his first spell resisted by Bolg or Azog, but after that, he's going to get free reign of... We used Transfix most of the time, didn't we? Yeah, just because it's like a nice, easy one to cast, and when we were playing it in our first game, I was thinking about casting Aura of Dismay, but I only had the one will left, and it goes away when you don't have any will left, which is yeah. unfortunate. But And a lot of the models already cause terror, so Aura of Dismay's you worry about that. Uh, healing up your own models might be okay, but most of the time you just want to attack, attack, attack. 
the nature's wrath was always tempting, but the He's... eagles tend to knock models out okay anyway, so it wasn't now, yeah, that important. Now that you can throw things with eagles, it's rather easy to have a targeted knockout than a big area blanket knockout. So you can just, yeah, charge stuff with him as a cavalry model even and knock stuff down. That was the best part, was the eagle getting, that he was riding, getting the one plus attack on the charge. So the three attacks was was really quite good. He can do some barging, he could do some heroic combats, he... He almost always ends the game helping out the, the combat with Bolger, it seems. he He's really manoeuvrable. I'd say he's almost good enough to play in a normal tournament situation, almost. I think people do. No, I think he is good enough. I think he does exactly what you want. He's a, he's a combat model that's got a bit of spell support and a bit of utility, and the 200 points odd is, is good value, I think. Yeah, for a monstrous cavalry model, I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah, we're going to have to definitely do a... I know thine enemy on Radagast now that we've got all these forms, we've played through them all, because that's going to be a good topic. So we've talked about the Gundabads, we've talked about the Gundabad captains, Bolg, Azog, they're all quite good. The changes meant that we've used our might with the captains for combat rather than marches, which made a huge difference. Yeah, it felt like I could have a bit more staying power rather than just walking up and going, I have nothing now, woo. And a lot of the good models have real trouble killing those captains. The Defense 7 is just enough to throw them off. Dwalin and Legolas are pretty good at it, but the rest of them have trouble. Yeah, because Legolas really only needs to wound them once and then roll with um, Orcrist for multiple wounds. And you go two-handed with that. At that point, you spend your might to win the combat, go two-handed, and then make sure your wounds go through. Yeah, because you can just turn a 6-plus into a 5-plus, sorry, and then multiple wound the 5-plus, which is really good against captains. Yeah. What I like about this scenario is we had a huge mix of heroes, but everyone felt unique, everyone had their own job, and they all felt really useful. There was no one that like you really had to protect as such, whereas some of the... It reminds me of the old Fellowship scenarios, but the old Fellowship scenarios, you always had the hobbits where you had to protect them rather than attack with them. Even Bilbo felt like he went in, on the attack mode and he would go into heroic combats with Thor and it'd be really useful, and... I charged Azog multiple times with Bilbo just to to get the ring on him. I'm I'm fairly sure that has to do with the new rules for the ring and the fact that Bilbo has absolutely no negatives from it. So he can just walk around pretty much not getting charged for the entire game. And then he can run in and half half um a fight value of one of the heroes and just let the tag team hero kill it. Yeah, and I think that was my go-to tactic in the last game was just make sure Bilbo was fighting, well, fighting Azog and then getting other heroes in and letting them do all the wounds. But Bilbo just halving the fight value made it so easy to win the combats and negate Azog's might because he couldn't do much with it with half fight value. Yeah, even striking up is terrible because at best you're going to be fight five and all the dwarves are pretty much fight six. So tactics for this scenario, I think we've pointed out that evil needs to be a bit careful with the heroes. You don't want them out on their own. I think in hindsight, we probably were a bit aggressive with Azog at the start and make the dwarves work for that, but try and surround the good heroes wherever possible. Yeah, I'd agree. Like One thing you do have is numbers, and if you can encircle all of the good heroes and get them into a tighter bunch and just trap them, that's probably the best chance you have of winning and making them use all their resources by grinding through your your dorks, and then sending in Azog and Bolg later on to just do the cleaning. Or pick on any models that get separated from the main pack to overcommit with a heroic combat or um, who are out of might. Go send, send Bolg or Azog into a, a mightless character and they'll take them out quite easily. 
Yeah, and then if Bulg can sort of start killing stuff and get Terra, it makes him a little bit more survivable. Though I suppose the high courage on all the heroes is pretty irrelevant for yeah, his Yeah, Bulg's rule doesn't do a whole lot in this one. There, To get to the 10, you're not going to get to 10 kills. You've already won the game at that point. The 5 kills is the neg one. You're probably not going to get to that. The 2 kills you get Terra, that can be useful, but it's a bit of a long shot at times. You could get to 5, you just have to work really hard at it. And you're probably already in a winning position by that point. Yeah, that's true. That would help, though, because you might actually break the good side. Okay, so I think it's time to rate the scenario. Charles, do you want to start? Overall, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, even though it is slightly weighted towards the good side in the fact that they have a lot more might than the evil side. I do think it's a very enjoyable scenario overall. It's a good way to spend a few hours of your day, and it's fun. First couple of times, we had to make some tweaks. I'm convinced that at least one of them is a, a typing error, and it could be as simple as the deployment was around the wrong way. But I think as long as you make the changes that the good side deploys and the south, the evil side deploys north, but then all the reinforcements, the first lot of reinforcements for evil come on the south, and the, the extra reinforcements can come anywhere, I think it turns into a really good scenario. We still had fun in the, the first ones, but I, it never felt really tense until those changes. I'm going to give it a thumbs up as well. It's a really great collection of models. That's what I'm most impressed about. It tells a story. There's a great collection of models. You get to use almost all the special rules. Yeah, I think we even used the negative special rules with the bear having to charge. And, um, oh, there was another one. Well, wasn't it the... At one point, I was about to call a heroic combat, and you pointed out that they oh, yeah, can't benefit. You, you had Gwai here and, um, and the bear together, and I said, well, neither of these can benefit the other. So you may as well just pick one and go with him. And of course it's Guar here because I wanted to get the extra 12 movement and Bayon did the barge, I think. Yeah, he did the barge and then went back in and just killed more stuff. Yeah, so that was really good fun scenario. I'm so glad I painted up the models for it. When you put them on the board, it doesn't look like a huge amount of models, but it took me a long time to get through them. The Gundabad Orcs are a fair effort. There's over 40 of the Gundabad Orcs in total, I think. It's, and It's still enough models to basically have a an army of them pretty much like you'd have that many models in a normal army and the heroes take you a while to paint and the eagles took a while i was using my converted radagast which i've just painted up so that they took me a while to go at the first time i brought it to the club travis pointed out to me that did you bring the spare eagle for radagast and i didn't but we haven't used it yet he's never been separated from his eagle i don't actually see why you would dismount him like he's got a special rule that says the eagle will always pass its courage check when he dismounts but i don't see why you would ever he's just so good on the eagle i think it's if azog or bog or whoever kills radagast i think that's yeah. what he's worried about and i think that's a luxury that that's rarely going to happen because radagast doesn't tend to go into combat with the heroes and from what I've seen, the good side really gets to dictate who goes into combat with whom. Yeah, so I don't think you have to worry too much about that, but it does help to have a spare eagle. I actually think the normal eagles will probably die quicker than Radagast. They consistently took a couple wounds each game because the Gundabad Orcs don't have a huge amount of trouble doing that. The other thing that we noticed is uh, you don't have to faint particularly a lot with the Gundabads. You just get the ones to reroll most of the time. Yeah, I'm so used to playing an army that doesn't have a sort of special rule that I was just faint faint and you kept telling me off for fainting because i don't need to most of the time and then i would forget to when i'm fighting an eagle or bilbo yep so it worked both ways for me there so that's i think all we have now thumbs up for both of us on this scenario give it a try if you can proxy the models if you feel like it but it's really good fun 
and I thought it was a fitting climax to the, the series so far. That's all from us for now. Remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.